0: move on forward from there okay um before we get started though i want to sort of fill you in on sort of what happened on the way to this message uh in prepping for this message you know prep just like always do uh spent time praying you know to the father and asking for his leadership and where he wanted to go with it and what he wants to say because it's his message not mine and uh, spent some time praying about that you know reading over the scriptures uh studying some commentaries, listening to some uh, messages uh, on the same text by pastors who are way smarter than I am uh, to sort of get a feel for things along that line. And my normal prep goes like this. It doesn't matter how far in advance I know that I'm going to be speaking. It doesn't seem to matter how much I pray about God give it to me ahead of time. Thursday before Sunday is when I start hearing from God. Or maybe it's finally when I just get still enough to listen. I'm not sure. But Thursday things start to form, things start to come, and and I I get a feel for some stuff. And then Friday, Friday's usually spent writing the message out. Uh, And uh, by the end of Friday, generally the message is complete. Uh, I'll let it sort of sit overnight, sort of marinate a little bit. Next morning I'll get up, I'll take a look at it again, and I'll see what needs to be changed, what (laughs) made perfectly sense in my mind, but... Since my mind is somewhat warped, it doesn't make sense to anybody else. So I, I go back and try to, you know, take it out of, out of rusty ease and put it into, into the English language. Um, Saturday night, send the, the slides to Chris to, to do the slides and ready to go on Sunday. And so on this message, everything was, was rocking just right on schedule with that. Thursday, things started coming, getting a pretty clear vision on, on things that, to go. Friday, I'm sitting at my desk, I'm working away. And, uh, I mean, it's it's just rocking, right? I mean, i have about 80% through with it. I've gone into detail on, on some scripture. I've dug into some small words that make a big difference. I mean, uh, background information, everything is just kicking along. And I get about 80% through with it, and it stops. Don't get your hopes up. I finished it. It's not only 80% of a message. But I'm not taking and I'm taking the whole time. So, you yeah. know, but... It just, it just, nothing. I mean, and I was hearing things so well, and all of a sudden there was, it was like just silence. So I thought, okay, go back to the top, go through it again, maybe it's sort of kickstart. So I go to the top, I'm working through it again, I get down to that same mark, nothing. So God, I mean, I, what's going on? I, I mean, I need to finish this, I mean, what, where are we going? What do you want me to do? That was the question he was waiting on. What do you want me to do? Because in my mind, three little words formed clear as day. Throw it away. Excuse me? Throw it away. But God, it's Friday. Excuse me? And he said, I don't want you to preach. I don't want you to teach. I want you to love. which I replied, oh, crap. Houston, we have a problem. Because loving is not my strong point. Um, As a matter of fact, and some of you have heard the story before, a few years ago, uh, the elders here at the church took a test. It was called an APES test. Uh, And the test was to measure ministry style. Now, APESH stood for apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Okay, and uh, the most you could score on any area was like 35. So we took the test, sent it in, we got the scores back. I did really well, except on shepherding. Out of a possible 35 or so points, I scored a six. When I told Bobby, he laughed out loud. He also threatened to give me a T-shirt with six on the back of it. Well, several months later, like six months or a little later, something like that, we got another email from the company that said uh, they discovered some statistical inaccuracies and offered us a chance to take the test again. I thought, great, they just messed up. So we took the test again. Sent it back in, got the results. (laughs) I scored an eight. Now, Bobby says I hedge my answers in order to get off of a six, and that may be a little true, Uh, but what's really sad is if I hedge my answers and I could still only get up to an eight, that's just not great. Uh, Like, the shepherding thing, the loving thing is just not my strong suit, Uh, And so I reminded God, I said, God, you know, this, this, this love thing, yeah, uh, you're forgetting the apex test, right? <laughs> you know, you, you don't, you're forgetting who I am and, you know, like, this is a stupid thing to say, like God has forgotten something or doesn't know something. And at that point, God reminded me that it wasn't my message to give, uh, it was his message. And then after that, he made me wait three weeks to give the message. So I get the picture. So today, instead of trying to teach like I normally try to do as, as a as a speaking style, I just want to share some stuff out of love. Um, so that's where we're going today. Okay. If you remember back three weeks or so ago, Bobby started this chapter. Today it comes out of John three, and today it's verses fourteen through twenty one. And uh, Bobby had covered verses one through thirteen. And the way it sets up is Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, uh, had been intrigued by Jesus. Jesus had gotten his attention. And so Nicodemus waited till night. Uh, the Pharisees were not fans of Jesus at all. Uh, so in order to keep from being seen, he comes to Jesus at night to sort of drill down asking ask him more questions. And Jesus just rocks his world. And is talking to him in ways he just doesn't understand. Uh, but just really really rocking his world, and, uh, and just turning it upside down, and so today we're going to continue that conversation, and uh, we're just going to get started and jump into the deep end here, and first thing I want us to do is just read through the text, okay, so it's John 3, uh, 14 through 21, and do we have those slides? We don't have those slides. All righty, uh, let's do it this way. Donovan, you hand me my phone, please. Thank you. So you can follow along in your Bible or on your Bible app, which I'll be reading from, and we'll use the ESV. Okay, starting in 14 says. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So Let's pray real quick. Father, we love you so much. Uh, And we thank you for your love we thank you for the sacrifices that you've made for us being there for us your patience with us Father I ask that today as we go through these scriptures and and uh, and I attempt to share out of out of the love that you've given me uh, that you make your message clear uh, that you let it fall on ears and hearts that are prepared and that you work in those that uh, that you want to be moved by this message. Father, we love you and we thank you. In your Son's name, amen. Okay, so real quick, a uh, little bit about the passage. Uh, it's sort of in three parts. You can break it into three parts pretty easy. The first part, uh, 14 and 15, are going to refer back to actually a scripture that came out in Numbers 21. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, then we hit the most, probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible, right? John 3.16. And then the last verses sort of reiterate and sum up some things and really drive home some important concepts uh, as, as we go through there. So, like I said, Nicodemus, being a Pharisee, uh, one of the things about the Pharisees is that they, all the Pharisees, part of their training was to memorize what we know as the five, first five books of the Bible. I can't even get my mind wrapped around that. To have that much scripture memorized, that's a lot. Uh, but that was just part of their, their training, part of their uh, being prepared and, and, and coming into being a Pharisee. So they had that, and, and so Nicodemus would have been really, really familiar with this story back in Numbers 21, which if anybody ever tells you that the Bible is boring right off the bat, you know they didn't read it. They didn't read it. How many of you as parents, or maybe when you were a kid, uh, either said or heard this phrase, Oh, if you're going to cry, I'll give you something to cry about heard that one yeah that's what god told the israelites in numbers 21 oh you're going to complain about me taking care of you in the desert you're going to whine and cry not a problem (laughs) i will send snakes not just snakes it calls them fiery snakes i don't even know what that is and i don't ever want to know what that is okay sent fiery snakes which were poisonous and bit people. And then it gets into this thing about he had Moses uh, build this brass uh, snake, raise it up. It's easy if you could really misconstrue this into idols, and it wasn't an idol, because he told, you know, the, the if the Israelites looked at it and uh, had faith that God would heal them, then they would be healed. And the ones that did were healed, and the ones that didn't died. Uh, and in 14 and 15... Jesus, talking to Nicodemus, is saying, remember that story? Because that's the way the Son of Man is. I'm going to be lifted up. And if you look on me with faith and have faith in me, you'll be saved. Just like the Israelites were. But if you don't, you won't. So that's 14 and 15. Then we get into what's probably the most famous, like I said, the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, right? Uh, before we get into that, though, i got some questions to ask you. How many of you have loved someone? How many of you have been loved by someone? Now, I had another question that I started to ask, and then I decided not to. I was going to ask, how many of you are in love with someone? And I decided not to ask that question. And here's why I decided not to ask it. I figured just sure as the world, if I asked that question, there would be somebody that would be sitting there with their, with their spouse or their boyfriend or girlfriend, and they wouldn't raise their hand, not because they weren't in love, but because they missed the question, because they were playing Fortnite or Texas Hold'em on their phone, and they missed the question. And when they didn't raise their hand, oh, there's no getting out of that one, right? And nothing disrupts a good message like a couple just throwing down in the middle of the aisle and during the middle of the message, right? And one of them flying out the door, the other one hot on their heels, yelling and screaming and cussing. Not a good situation for church, so I decided not to ask that question. Uh, Another question for you. How do you know that somebody loves you? They can tell you. They can show you right here's another question for you which is which is best if somebody tells you that they love you but they never show you or they show you that they love you but never tell you of course the best is both right they tell you and they show you uh, i grew up in a home that was not a touchy feely warm fuzzy home my father died when I was nine I had a little sister that was seven at the time Uh, my mother had a high school education my father died in the middle of a move from Kentucky to Florida Uh, my mother had to get us back to East Tennessee get us all you know it was I have no idea how she did it but anyway it was you know high school education raising two kids I mean it was was a struggle Uh, but she did it but in our in our house nobody ever said I love you so my senior year in high school I go up to her one day, and I said, Mom, I, say, I know you love me. I know you do. But you never tell me. You never say I love you. How am I really supposed to know that you love me? Without a second of hesitation, she looked me straight in the eye and said, I'll let you live, don't I? Good enough. i'm i'm good with that Uh, that's better than the alternative i'll take it and run with it thank you and literally like run uh get away before she changed her mind so uh, yeah it's not it's not the best way obviously we want both right and we constantly hear that jesus loves us if you grew up in the church probably one of the very first songs you learned as a little kid was jesus loves me if you live in the south, you're going to see it everywhere. On bumper stickers, on t-shirts, on billboards. I mean, it, everywhere the Bible, uh, yeah, it tells us that Jesus loves us. God loves us. So what's he done to show us? That's where we get to John 3:16. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life pretty much summarizes the entire gospel in one verse right the entire gospel Uh, side note here chase a squirrel for a second Not too long ago, I saw a question posed, uh, and I actually saw it in the same week, saw it posed two or three different ways, but uh, the question went something like this. If Christians really believe in the Bible so much and what the Bible says, how can they really believe that if they've never read the Bible? A good question now if you've read John three sixteen, and somebody says well, have you ever read the Bible you can say well I read John 3 and they go what's that got to do with it well it's sort of the cliff notes version uh, you might get away with that but the truth of the matter is we claim our faith he's given us a book and we don't read it now I've read the Bible, and I'm not trying to brag about that, because I'd only been a Christian for 30-something years when I finally got around to reading it. That was kind of sad, but true. Um, And uh, what I did is I bought a year-long chronological Bible. It had the, the books in order that they were actually written. Like Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible, and so it was first, and instead of Genesis and so on, but it gave a one-year reading plan. I, I forget what it was, five, six chapters, something, I don't know, but to get through it. Uh, so you could read all the way through it in a year and read all the way through it. It only took me a year and a half. Nailed it in a year and a half. Um, okay, so what if it takes you two years, three years, five years? That's, that's something we need to do, Okay um I, I would encourage you to do that okay off the squirrel back to here uh so john three sixteen. so god so loved the world now keep in mind that this is jesus again talking to nicodemus and he's talking about how god's always loved us he's loved us before we were saved he's loved us before we accepted him we he he loved us before we even thought about him he loved us before we were even born he loves us. But okay, so who does he love? For God so loved the world. That doesn't mean just Christians. Doesn't mean just good people. God loves his children, no doubt about that. All of mankind is created in the Father's image, right? God loves everyone even if they don't love him. And to be honest with you, there are times that I really struggle with that. I shouldn't. But there are times that I do. Um, It's hard for me to understand and get my mind wrapped around how God loves people even if they're evil. Even if they do horrendous things. God still loves him. You know, if I'm watching the news and I see where a terrorist has beheaded a Christian, it's easy for me to sit there and understand just how much God loves that child of his, that Christian. My pride gets in the way of me understanding and accepting that God loves that terrorist and I really struggle with that and, and if I try to deny that and if I try to convince myself or rationalize that no that's not really the case then I have to look at Paul Paul was basically a terrorist when it came to Christians, Paul was a Pharisee Paul hunted down and had Christians killed, he tried to eliminate Christianity by having Christians killed gave to him and he turned around and answered and he accepted Christ and became you know like a super apostle who wrote half of the New Testament God loved him not just when he accepted him but loved him enough to come to him and want him he loves you he loves me he loves those who worship false, demonic gods. He loves the atheist. He loves the agnostic. He loves the Muslim cleric as much as he does the Christian pastor. He loves the drug addict as much as he loves a missionary. He loves the person who's made a complete wreck out of their life just as much as he loves the person who has got it, seems to have it all together. No matter what your past is, no matter what your present is, no matter what your future is, the Father loves you. How much does he love you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, sacrificed his son for you and me. Jesus sitting in heaven surrounded by and being worshiped by angels steps out of heaven and comes to her not just to be I guess, sacrificed is a word that is a nice neat little tidy word that we wrap up a lot of stuff but the truth of the matter is he was humiliated he was tortured he was put to death by crucifixion which is one of the most horrific ways of death especially at that time because he loved us and I think at times it's easy to look at Jesus and say okay Jesus went through that for us which he did no doubt but he's, he's, Jesus is the one who suffered God sitting in heaven but God suffered through that whole time too now I love you I really do how much do I love you Do I love you enough to give my life for you? And I'm talking about personally right now between me and you. Do I love you that much? I would like to think so. Do I love you enough to give my daughter's life for you? To have Allie, my only child, humiliated, tortured, crucified do I love you that much do I love you enough so that to keep you from spending an eternity in a fiery hell to do that if it comes down to that you need to pack some aloe because you're gonna burn (laughs) sorry that's the six (laughs) I never said it wasn't a fair assessment, okay? I, I don't know that I could do that. As a father, I just don't know. But God loves you that much. God loves you that much, loves me that much. Why would you do something like that? So that you, me, everyone can spend eternity in his presence. So that he can love us and that we can love him back. So that people don't have to spend an eternity in hell. Now, please don't be mistaken. Hell is a very real place. Uh, I know some people who, unfortunately, don't believe that. But it's a very real place. And I think at times we don't get, take time to get our mind wrapped around just how bad hell will be. But anywhere in the Bible where hell is mentioned, it is not a pretty picture. And people who scoff and make jokes about it and, oh, I'll see you in hell, don't have a clue as to what they're saying and at the same time when that guy cuts us off in traffic or somebody who says something that we don't like and we yell or say or even think go to hell we don't understand what we're saying and we don't take in the gravity of what we're saying See, God's love is so remarkable not because the world is so big and has so many people but God's love is so remarkable because the world is so bad we don't deserve his love I certainly don't deserve it we didn't earn it you can't earn his love you can't earn your way into heaven Bobby mentioned this a few weeks ago uh, there's a great book by Andy Stanley uh, called How Good is Good Enough on that subject it's a real short book it's a great read it's, I highly recommend you read it sometime we can't earn our way in we're not saved by our worth we're saved by faith because of his work. it goes on to say in verses 17 uh, and 18 for uh, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. See, Jesus didn't need to come to earth to condemn the world. Uh, the world's been condemned ever since Adam and Eve screwed things up in the garden. You know, it's been condemned since then. you didn't need to come to the world to condemn. We were already condemned. And in verses 17 and 18, it talks about through him and in him. And it's important to understand that it's, it's not enough to believe that God exists, that Jesus exists. It's not, it's not enough. Satan believes that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit exist. He believes it. He knows it. Through him. It talks about how the, only, the Bible tells us the only way to the Father is through the Son. We have, to have the faith, we have to have faith in Jesus. We have to commit to Jesus, accept Him as our Savior, ask Him to take control of our lives, be willing to follow Him. It doesn't call for us to be perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us are going to be perfect. We know that. God knows that. It's not perfection that He's seeking. He's seeking faith your love. Second half of verse 18 says, whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Uh, we know that we've messed up. Big sins, little sins, anywhere in between sins. Uh, Romans says, for the wages of sin is death. Uh, so we know we're there. Uh, 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because the works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. And does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, uh, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. These last three verses, talking about Jesus being the light, evil loves the darkness. Evil loves to hide in the darkness. Uh, we will with, we'll withdraw into the darkness of our own hearts. Jesus is the light. I don't know if you've ever been out at, at night when it's pitch black. Maybe you're camping or something like that and you sort of get turned around and you're trying to find your way back to camp and you are looking hard for that campfire. You're looking hard for that light and, and to follow and, and to get you back to where you're supposed to be. The same thing here. We live in a dark world. We should be looking for the light and being drawn to that light because those who shrink from the light, it's not good. It kills me when I hear people talk about how God is such a mean, hateful God. How, how, could, how, could a, how could a good, loving God send people to hell? That's just not right. It kills me when I hear that. Let, let's be real clear here. There's only one reason, one reason only, why someone ends up in hell that's because they chose to salvation is simple accept Christ don't accept Christ pretty clear cut it's our choice as much as God loves us he doesn't want us to he doesn't want to force us to love him back he could do that but that's not what he's that's not what he desires. That's not what he wants. He wants your love to be pure and honest and true toward him. He wants you to love him on your own. He doesn't want to force you to do that. And so he gives us the choice. Accepting or don't. I mean, let's face it, what more is he supposed to do? He gave his son. Well, I, I, am I supposed to hate God? Because I, I've had cancer. during the middle of that. Am I supposed to say, God, what are you doing to me? Why are you allowing it? Things don't go the way I want them to go in life. Am I supposed to hate God because of that? But what more is he supposed to He gave his son just to show me how much he loved me. If that's not enough, that's not on God. God loves you. Our Father loves you the more than I can get my mind wrapped right around. I want you to love Him back. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your love. Father it is a love that I cannot get my mind wrapped around. I I don't understand I don't understand why you love me that much but I'm thankful for it. Father help me to love you back. Help us to love you back. Help us to show that love your love to others who haven't haven't discovered that yet, or help us to to find people and take people who have experienced a little bit of it, but want to be in a, an even stronger relationship with you. Help us to show them that way as well. in a few minutes as the band plays you'll have a chance to come up either up here or in the back and and take communion communion is done in remembrance of what Christ went through his body his blood broken and shed for us communion is an act of love both for what he did and our appreciation for what he did. Now, whether you're here in the service today or watching on Facebook or or whatever, if you haven't experienced that love, if you haven't made that decision to step in and, and accept Christ, there's there's not going to be a better time than right now. If you're sitting there, you can and fill out one of the connection cards that's somewhere close to you. Let us know that you've made that commitment. We'd love to know that. Maybe you just have questions. There's still just too much stuff you don't get and don't understand or you have questions. Then just simply put on there, I'd love to talk to somebody about this accepting Christ thing. I don't don't get it. I'd like to know more. Give us however you want to be contacted and we'll be more than glad to contact you. If after the service you want to see Bobby or you want to see me or or someone else to, to sit down and talk for a minute about it, then we'll be glad to do that too. But don't wait. God the Father loves you and wants to accept you as a child.